So verse number one, Paul's writing to the church of Corinth, and um, this is what he writes. And uh, we'll start in uh, chapter six, verse one. If you're there, say amen. amen. I mean, if you're here in the building, say amen. amen. All right, come on. This is what the word of God says. says As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you, and in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. And then verse three is a kind of like, it's the middle here of, these, of this passage that we're reading from, but it's kind of the, the pivotal uh, verse for our, our look at this passage tonight. It says this in verse three, we put no stumbling block in anyone's path. We put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God, so instead of, instead of putting a stumbling block in someone's path, he says, rather than that, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way. This is the opposite of being a stumbling block. We commend ourselves in great endurance. We commend ourselves in troubles, hardships, in distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger, in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness, in the Holy Spirit, and in sincere love, in truthful speech, and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left. We're going to try to unpack that. That is a... That is a mouthful. I mean, there is a lot of truth in there that Paul's saying how we commend ourselves as Christians and then he unlays, he lays out quite a, quite a list of what that kind of Christianity would look like. And so uh, the title tonight, if, if you uh, were taking notes and want to jot down a title, it would be, this is the kind of Christian I want to be, the kind of Christian that I want to be. Let's pray one more time. Let's ask God's anointing on his word tonight. Lord, thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that your presence is just so strong in this place. And I pray that you would anoint this word, that you'd prepare our hearts to receive this word, God, as we often pray. We just pray, if there's change that needs to come, God, let us just be willing uh, to be changed by you. Let your word, God, bring light into our life. Um, and God, we just take a moment and pray for our lead pastors. We pray, God, that you'd be with them as they travel, as they're with family. God, just refresh them. Be with them. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. 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 Uh, so Paul is writing this in that verse 3. Uh, it, it, I said it was a pivotal verse. He said, we, we don't want to put a stumbling block in anyone's path. When I read that verse, I think back to um, a time a couple years back. I, I was going to lunch one, uh, one afternoon, one day, um, and uh, I, I was here in the office, and I was going to lunch, and I was going by myself just to work on a message. I, I was preaching, either, either I'm preparing a weekend message or a message uh, for a, a youth service or something. I don't remember which, and, uh, and so I, I went to eat by myself. Sometimes when I'm at a restaurant and I see people eating by themselves, I feel sorry for them because they're eating by themselves, but I'll tell you, I go to the restaurant I go to a restaurant by myself fairly often and I don't feel sorry for myself because I like to like, I don't know, I just work on stuff and think about stuff and whatever. So I was doing that that day. So I was working on my message and I think I had ordered my food and I was, I was about half, you know, halfway done working on my stuff. My food had not yet come. And then a couple of the guys from the office came in uh, and they sat in, the, in a booth uh, near me. And so they, we, we saw each other. I said, oh, hey. And 
so then I felt funny like not going and sitting with them because they were, it was a couple of the pastors. Or so I, I said, well, I'll just come over and sit with you. So I came over and so I packed up my stuff, had my backpack and I went over and I sat in the booth with them and I set my backpack right up against the booth. Uh, I was sitting on the outside of the booth and I put my backpack right on the, on the end of the booth. I'm just sitting there, we're eating lunch, whatever. Well, the, the hostess that day, she was now coming through and seating somebody else at a booth. And she was seating them at the booth that was nearer to her than our booth was. So she came to their booth first and she was showing them to their booth and then we were sitting a little, we were sitting the next booth behind them. But as she did, she turned around like this and she was going like this, like here's your booth. And then what she did not see was my backpack behind her. I didn't really, this was happening behind me, so I didn't see it happening. And so she is walking backwards going, here's your booth, and then she hits my backpack. And I mean, you wanna talk about a tumble. Like it was quite, it was, it was loud. She let out all kinds of yells. She was spinning around. I mean, there was dust flying. It was, it was so, it was epic. It was quite like, uh, and, uh, and she was a little bit of an older lady. And so she falls and, and yells out. And, and uh, I, I absolutely, my heart stopped. Like the thought that this was happening because of me, like the fact that she is now lying on the ground um, in, in, in what I think is, I think pain, although I was, I, I was looking around to the other workers and they didn't really come to her uh, help that quickly. A couple of them were kind of a little bit rolling their eyes a little bit as if to kind of be like, she's always dramatic like this. I'm like, but this, <laughs> she spun and felt like this is probably not just drama, like this is maybe serious. And so I, I, to say that I was apologizing, to say that I was begging for forgiveness, I couldn't explain to you how, how much, how horrible I felt. Now I will say that I quickly picked up my backpack and slid it deep into the, uh, uh, I, just to get it out of the way, that's all. Just to get it, don't assume the worst. I was just moving it out of the way. Uh, but I just kept saying, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And I'm telling you, she did not let me off the hook. She, she just glared at me with these eyes of like, you know, don't think you're walking out here forgiven because you are not. Like, uh, like she was looking at me like I know how to hold a grudge. And so I just kept apologizing, apologizing. I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, you okay? And I'm, you know, helping her up. And so then some people come and came and finally helped her up. And she kind of hobbled off into the back and didn't really come out the whole rest. I, trust me, I was watching that door. I was praying she would just come out completely healed and, you know, come over and give me a hug, say it's okay. Like just let me off the hook. Um, I carried that, I carried that for a long time. I just, it's still, it's still on me, you could tell. Like, and, uh, uh, and so we can, we can choke without, because I'm pretty sure she's probably healed by now. But wow, in that moment, it was heavy. Uh, and then, um, so we, we do that. It happens, and we finish our meal, um, and, uh, and, and we, we, we head out. Wouldn't you know about, that was probably, I think that was a Thursday. The following Tuesday, uh, the staff was going we, we go out to a lunch usually once a week on Tuesday, a lot of the pastors, and so we get in, this, in our, one of our vehicles to go do that. So we, we usually have the car. Where are we going for lunch? And uh, wouldn't you know, one of the guys said that exact restaurant. That that's where we should go. And I'm thinking in my head, and then I, haven't even, I hadn't even told anybody this story at that point because I was very ashamed of myself. So they said, let's go here. And so then I was like, mm, I'm not sure if I'm banned from that restaurant. Uh, and so we walk in, and who's our hostess? 
there she is, and I'm just trying to lay low and keep my head down, but I think she saw me and was continuing to, and I was like, hello, how are you? God bless you. You know, I don't even know what to say at that point. She's still giving me dirty looks, and uh, so I can only come up with the, 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 the thought that I, I, I went through that, and she had to suffer through that so that I could get just a little bit of a feeling of, of what it feels like to be a stumbling block for somebody. The, the, to see someone stumble, like physically, right? Uh, literally, to see someone stumble and be injured as a result of something I did, it was, it was hard to watch. Now, Paul's talking about that this can happen to us uh, in, a, in a spiritual realm, that we can potentially be a stumbling block for somebody else, that we could potentially be the reason why someone doesn't serve God. And to, to think that we could potentially do, be that, become that, and not even know it, uh, and how devastating that would be. And there are plenty of people who maybe don't serve Christ who would give this as the reason why they don't serve Christ. Yeah, and you may know what I'm about ready to say. There's plenty of people that see the inconsistency of Christians that they know, and they'll say, that's why I'm not going to become a Christian. There are plenty of people who have encountered Christians who have not acted in a way that is Christ-like. And listen, none of us are perfect. I get that. But there are plenty of people who, who are not serving God today because of what somebody did or said or acted or because someone that they knew that wore the name Christian but did not, did not uh, live that or, or, or act in a way that Jesus would call them to act. And now they're saying, that's why I am not going to serve God. Now we can all go, that's no reason not to serve God. But when they're, when they're thinking, is darkened by the enemy, they're using that as the reason not to serve God. And so Paul's saying, we do not want to be that stumbling block. And the church said, amen. amen. Oh no, this world needs Christians who are Christians. Somebody say amen. amen. And so Paul's saying that. And he's, he's leading in a delicate environment. He's leading in an environment where people are looking for stumbling blocks. He's leading in an environment where if he puts uh, uh, too much emphasis on, on uh, being against zeal for the law. He's got Jewish people that are going to be angry with him. But yet if he defends the law too much and, and is compliant with those who are zealous for the law, then he's got the Gentiles that are going to be mad at him. And so he's trying to balance this. He's trying to, uh, trying to lead and trying to minister and trying to live in such a way because people are susceptible to offense in his culture. Well, we I mean, we certainly live in that culture. We certainly live in a culture that is ready at, at any moment to be offended. The, 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 a culture that is waiting to discount and discredit and distrust everybody, especially the church. It almost seems as though uh, the world has rallied around and found common ground in their criticism and cynicism of the church. And they seem to relish the moments that Christians fall or, or, or famous Christians or certainly Christian leaders fall and, and there they go using that as their reason why they're going to stumble while they would never serve God because God's not real because look at all of, of, of those people that say they follow Christ. That's the environment that we live in. That's the environment Paul was living in. And so in that kind of context, that's where Paul says, uh, we don't want to put any stumbling block in anyone's path. I don't want anybody to, to have an excuse to say no to Jesus because of me. And he says, so because of that, we commend ourselves. Because of that, we set some goals for ourselves. Because of that, we have some standards 
for ourselves. He said, we commend ourselves. He said, not just in word, but we commend ourselves by our deeds. We commend ourselves by the way. We don't just talk, we don't just talk a good talk, but we walk this thing out. That's how we commend ourselves. We decide the kind of, the kind of Christians and the kind of influence that we're going to have. And he says, we commend ourselves and the first uh, kind of uh, few words that he talks about as they commend themselves, he says, we commend ourselves in great endurance, in troubles, in hardships, and in distresses. And so the kind of Christian I wanna be, I wanna be the kind of Christian that endures. I wanna be the kind of Christian that endures. He says, in great endurance, it's not just a picture of a Christian maybe with patience. It's not just a picture of a Christian who's sitting around in a rocking chair and just kind of waiting for this all to play out. That's not what he's saying when he's saying, I want uh, with great endurance. No, he's saying it's like a, a soldier who keep, keeps moving forward, a, a soldier who keeps, uh, who keeps advancing in battle and, and pressing on to victory despite the opposition. That's what he's talking about when he says uh, endurance. He says in troubles. And, and troubles would be trials, but trials under pressure when you're pressed down by your circumstances. And I've found for all of us, whether it's, whether it's how we stick it out in relationships, or how we stick it out in our ministries, or how we stick out even in our relationship with God, it has more to do with our attitude and our determination than it does our circumstance. Have you found that to be the case? How we're gonna stick it out in our relationships, or in our ministry, or in our relationship with God, it's not so much to do with our circumstances because you know what, we all have circumstances. Everybody's got circumstances. Nobody's life is easy, nobody's life is perfect. So it's not really about our circumstances, it's about our determination. It's about us deciding, I'm gonna be a Christian that endures. I'm gonna be a Christian who makes it all the way through this thing. I've heard it said this way and I like this quote, a good reason to quit is usually not a good reason to quit. Sometimes we can think that in and of ourselves. It's like, yeah, but you don't understand. I'm going through this. And this person, this happened. And, and I had this trouble. And I had this hardship. And I had this distress. And so that's why I quit. And so from inside, it may look like it. But probably from, God angle, from God's angle, a good reason to quit is not really a good reason to quit. I've been a little bit heartbroken on the, on, over the news and social media over the last um, uh, I don't know, a few weeks, maybe maybe month or two, but there's been a couple different Christian leaders that have really come out and renounced their own relationship with Jesus. Influential, influential people that were known really across this country. One guy was uh, a, a Christian author and wrote a very, very popular uh, book, uh, especially geared towards young people, but uh, was known all really all over the country and, and was pastoring in a, in a church for a while and, and he came out and, and basically just denounced uh, Christianity and, and said that, that he is, you know, doesn't believe anymore and is not a Christian. And, and then a couple weeks ago, uh, there was a, a, one of the worship leaders from a, a very well-known, well-renowned church that the world sings their worship songs and he, he had been uh, one of their key worship leaders and songwriters for years and years and years and he came out on his social media and, and uh, gave some reasons why he was no longer uh, gonna be a Christian. And so, of course, my heart breaks at uh, that platform, right? That use of influence to say, basically, I'm quitting. Basically saying, I, I'm not going to endure. And, uh, and I, from the outside, and I don't know these people's situations, and I wouldn't claim to, uh, to speak with absolute, you know, be dogmatic and say, this is what's going on in their life. But I have found this to be the case, that a lot of times, uh, and, and I, would, 
I would guess that this may be the case here. A lot of times there is hurt and there may even have been at least perceived mistreatment by God's people. And so often people will allow that to be the reason why they quit. Because someone has mistreated them, someone has misrepresented them, someone maybe has attacked them, maybe in, in their mind it's, it's unjustified, someone has disciplined them, and they'll quit not on that church, they'll quit not on that ministry, but they'll quit on Jesus. We as Christians, here needs to be our philosophy, this is what Paul's saying, this needs to be our philosophy as Christians, that if everybody in my church turns on me, if everybody in my church, if all my church leadership, if pastor gets up every weekend and points me out and says, this person is no good, this person doesn't really love Jesus, I mean, you, you, could, you could come up with the most dramatic attack you could ever think of, and that could happen to you every single week, and listen to me, that's not a reason to quit on Jesus. It may be a reason to go find a different church, but it's not a reason to quit on Jesus because not every Christian is representing the heart of Christ. But if we don't set that in our sights before the attack comes, if we don't set that in our sights before we get hurt, if we're not careful, we'll quit on Jesus. I'm gonna tell you right now, this is my plan. Even if someone, even if someone says something about me that's not true, even if somebody says something about me that is true, even if somebody puts me on blast and attacks and whatever, uh, I'm not gonna quit on Jesus because uh, I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't do what I do for the church, you hear me, right? I do what I do because I love God, because I have a relationship with Jesus. And that's what Paul's saying here, that we are a, a, he's a, a Christian who endures. He says, in great endurance, in troubles, in hardships, uh, in distress. That word distress, it basically, uh, in the Greek, it paints the picture like it's a narrow place. It's a distress. It's a corner with no escape. Boy, we can feel like that. Where we're all alone and we're just trapped. And it makes us want to throw up our hands and quit. Now, let's, let's be a Christian who endures. I, I got to hurry. He, he also goes on to say, and I, I would, I would kind of uh, sum it up this way. I, I want to be a Christian who's obedient. A Christian who's obedient. He says in verse 5 uh, that, he commends, that we commend ourselves in beatings, imprisonments, and riots. Beatings, imprisonments, and riots. Um, isn't Christianity starting to sound fun now? All right. <laughs> Beatings, imprisonments, and riots. And everybody's like, sign me up. Yes, all right, awesome. Uh, but you know what? Life happens. Uh, life's life's not, not always, you know, easy. And it, it, as we've, we've, we've talked about and we've seen reality of it, like it, it rains on the just and the unjust. And, and sometimes we go through tough times just because we're doing life. I, 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 I came home one night years and years ago and um, I was coming home and it was a little bit late. We were up here at the church working on some event and so uh, uh, getting something ready and it was a little bit later in the evening by the time I drove home and it was one of those nights where I was driving home and my eyes were open but I was kind of like, just muscle memory. It was one of those where you, you're like pulling into the neighborhood and you're like, wait, how'd I get here? Last thing I remember was pulling out of the church parking lot. It was one of those nights, you know? And so I'm pulling the driveway. As I pull in the driveway, I, 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 uh, I hit, we, have, we had two cars. I hit my, my car that I was driving. I hit the parked car with the car I was driving. And I had to go into my wife and, and I had to say like, hey, I had, a, I had a little fender bender tonight. And she said, which car? I was like, both, actually. I, I, was, I wrecked both of our cars. 
all by myself. And I, when that happened, I wanted to blame, trust me, I wanted to blame everybody I could blame. I wanted to blame the devil. Turns out he wasn't even there. He wasn't even, he didn't even know what happened. I wanted to blame her for parking the car bad. I got the tape measure out, measure. I'm like, no, that's where we always park it. It's not her fault. Like I, I was trying to blame everybody I could blame, but you know what? Uh, it wasn't God's fault. It wasn't the devil. It was just, it's just sometimes life happens. But here's the thing. Paul, because of his obedience to Christ, he's now open to even more of some of these problems and some of these issues. And that'll happen because you're doing something for the kingdom. You kind of do get on the devil's radar. You, you step out and decide that you're going to be a, a real Christian. You decide you're going to be somebody who's, who's committing. You decide you're going to be somebody who's actually making an impact. Somebody whose life that the world can watch and it makes Jesus seem more appealing, not less appealing. When you start to live that kind of life, there may be some extra attack on your life. And that's what was going on in Paul's life. He was so obedient that it was opening up uh, some, some, some distresses and some, some problems and some issues. And it wasn't because of his disobedience. It wasn't because he needed uh, ch uh, chastening. But it was because his, his obedience was a threat to the enemy. And so we could say, why does... Why does God allow... I mean, why, why wouldn't God do it this way? That if I... If I submit to him with my life, if I decide, God, I'm yours, I'm going to serve you. God, can you just make everything super easy now? God, can you just make my life like just, I, want, I just want no problems. I want smooth sailing from here on out because I serve you. Why couldn't God do that? I'll, I would present at least one reason why God maybe doesn't do that for us. Because people can see, when they see a Christian who maintains his walk with Christ even through troubles, that preaches a message louder than a thousand of these sermons can preach. It does. Yeah, it, it, it'll make a difference. They can resist preaching, but they cannot resist the effect and power of a good example in times of suffering. I read about one Italian military leader, Giuseppe Garibaldi was his name. And he, in history, he was known as having one of the most radical, effective committed uh, armies that, uh, that the world knew at the time. And uh, there's a book called The Hero of Two Worlds. And in that, um, in this army that he had, it was a volunteer army. And in this book, it describes how he, would, uh, how he would recruit for his volunteer army. And this is what he would say. He would say, I offer neither pay nor quarters nor provisions. I offer hunger, thirst, Forced marches, battles, and death. And then he would say this. But let him who loves his country with his heart and not his lips only follow me. And there was something about the honesty of that appeal. There was something about the challenge of that appeal that, that people just by the groves were, were joining him, staying committed uh, to that army. And I guess I would say it this way. Um, I don't know that Christianity is supposed to be easy. Salvation is free, but it seems like serving God will, 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 will cost us some things, doesn't it? And that's okay, because no matter what I in, suffer, no matter what I give up for Christ's sake, it's, it's always gonna be worth it. Somebody say amen. Yeah, it's true. Uh, number three, I wanna be a Christian who knows sacrifice. 
I wanna be a Christian who knows sacrifice. Look at, at Paul as he continues to describe this attractive version of Christianity that I'm presenting tonight. In hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger. Oh man, this is getting better and better. Amen. Just encouraging you. No, he says in hard work, and, uh, and of course, Christians should be the hardest workers there, there are. Um, that, that should be a testimony in and of itself. You're in, in your employment, in your vocation, uh, you, should, you should be the, the best. You should be uh, above board. You should, be, you should set the bar high. You should be on time. Somebody say amen. You should, you should stay busy. Uh, you should stay effective. You should uh, set, uh, help set the culture for whatever it is you work. And so uh, I think Paul is including that. But I think Paul's also you know, including serving in the church and serving to advance the kingdom and that we should work hard doing that. One of my favorite like mantras of, of ministry has been uh, work like it all depends on you, but pray like it all depends on God. And that's a pretty, that's a pretty heavy uh, uh, combination. That's a pretty lethal combination. Work like it all depends on you. Pray like it all depends on God. I, I'll never forget. I was at a um, I was at a youth pastor's conference uh, speaking a few years back, and I was sharing some different principles and some different uh, ideas of, of what, what we've done in youth ministry over the years. And we sat down for lunch with a bunch of youth pastors, and this youth pastor was sitting right across from me uh, in a different state. And he looked at me and said, I have a question for you. I said, okay. He said, why doesn't this stuff work for everybody? And uh, so then I, was, I, I thought, oh, okay. And then a couple of the guys go, hey, dude, chill out. They thought, it was the, they thought the question was a little abrasive. <laughs> I was like, no, 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 it's, it's good. I said, well, I don't know. I don't know if I can give the answer for everybody, but I can tell you this. I said, we work really hard. I said, we, we really work hard. So when, we, when, we were, when we're doing something like we, we, don't, just, we don't just do stuff, whatever, uh, you know, at, at that time, um, I, I even said this to him. I said, my, my pastors never, never called me in to tell me to work hard or to do more in ministry or to, you know, whatever. Like, we, 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 we work hard. And, but you know why? Because the stakes are high. We should work hard at ministry. We should, we should be involved and we should give our best to advance the kingdom of God. And that's what Paul's saying here. He says, in hard work and sleepless nights, he says, in hunger. And this could be. He could be referring to sacrifice, to basically just going without and not even have food. He could be talking about fasting here. But either way, it's about what am I willing to do without so that the kingdom of God advances? That's what it comes down to. What am I, is it time that I'm willing to do without? Is it, is it maybe sometimes rest that I'm willing to do without if it'll advance the kingdom? It'll advance my own strength and my relation with God? Am I willing to go without food if it means my, my relation with God is going to be stronger and my example to the world is going to be stronger? I'll never forget, we were in a season of fasting years and years ago, and uh, we were actually doing a, a full uh, food fast for, for a couple of weeks, and, um, and a couple of the guys on our, uh, on our team at the time were, were doing it with us, and, um, and uh, it, was a, it was a Thursday morning, and we were running to the, the uh to a little store to get juice and stuff. That's what we were all getting. So we all were grabbing orange juice and stuff like that. And one of the guys was with us, who was on our team at the time, he grabbed an orange juice too. And we looked at him, we said, what are you doing? He's like, what are you talking about what I'm doing? We're like, why are you getting an orange juice? He's like, what do you mean? 
And then we said, we know what you got last night after church. And we had gotten word that even though in the middle of this fast, he went out to eat and he had a, he, he had a good meal, right? So we were, all a little bit, we were all a little bit mad at that. So he's like, what are you doing back on the juice? He goes, I'm sorry. And then he just starts confessing. I'm sorry. I, I mean, I was fasting, but he's like, I just get so hungry. And when he said, I just get so hungry, I was so hungry at the moment, I about lost Jesus right there and just punched him right in the head right then. Like, what are you talking about hungry? We all get hungry, like that's the point. You think, you think some of us are just like, oh, I just don't hunger, it's awesome. Like, no, that's the point, is I'm willing to go through some of this if it's gonna mean I'm gonna be closer to Jesus. That's what Paul's saying, what are you willing to go without? What are you willing to do without? What kind of, uh, what kind of even suffering, what kind of a, 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 a deflection of the self and your desires, are you willing to, 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 to go without if it means you're going to be a better example for those who need an example of, of what it means to serve Christ? He says, he says this. Uh, he said, we commend ourselves in purity. In purity. I want to be a Christian. The kind of Christian I want to be, I want to be a Christian who's unstained. I want you to hear this, this quote. In great measure, according to the purity and the perfections of the instrument will be the success of the instrument. It's not great talents that God blesses so much as great likeness to Jesus that he blesses. Paul says we commend ourselves in our, in our purity. Obviously, hurricanes was all the talk over the last uh, couple of weeks. And we were talking about, uh, actually, Tuesday at lunch, we were talking about Hurricane Charlie when it came through back in 04, I think it was. And uh, Pastor was talking about some of the uh, damage that was going on, that had gone on at his house. I was talking about some of the damage that happened at my house. That, 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 uh, that hurricane, I went home and I tried to turn my trampoline over on its top so that it wouldn't blow away and I couldn't lift it. It was so heavy and awkward and big. I'm like, I can't do anything. There's no way the storm is going to. And then in the middle of the night, the lightning was flashing and I was looking out the window and as the lightning flashed, I thought, that's weird. I don't see my trampoline. And... Uh, I waited and the lightning flashed in the morning. I said, no, it's, it's for sure. My trampoline's not there. Um, so the next morning, uh, we went out and it was gone from the backyard. And so me and my kids rode our bikes around the neighborhood looking for my trampoline. But down a street, down a street, down a street. And, uh, and then we come on the corner. There's this mangled up, just metal and nylon of what used to be my trampoline as we ride up on it. And my kids are like, dad, look. I'm like, be quiet. Just keep, just keep. <laughs> I didn't know what kind of damage that thing had done all the way through all the neighborhood. But pastor was talking about the damage that was at his house. And I, and I, talked to him, I mentioned this to him uh, yesterday. I said, I remember, because I, I went over to his house that, uh, that day after. And I said, I remember pulling into your neighborhood where he used to live. And uh, pulled into his neighborhood. And then when you, when you got ready to turn on his street, there was this gigantic oak tree that Charlie had broke and blown over but I mean like the oak tree was massive like uh, probably this big around and it was just broken and and tipped over like just broken in half and I, I, I you know that was probably one of the largest trees that I just saw snapped uh, from that storm and I was blown away and I actually got out and looked at it a little closer and when I got a little closer I, I actually noticed something about that tree that inside of that tree Apparently there had been, and I'm not a, uh, I'm not a um, 
landscaper, and I, I don't know, but it, it certainly appeared that there had been some sort of termite or some sort of disease or some bug or something that had been eating away at the inside of that tree. So from the outside, the bark looked great, but then when the storm came, that tree was not strong enough to withstand the storm, and, and it breaks over. And, you know, we could talk about Christians who fail God or ministries that fall, ministers that fall. Normally, times it's no, normally it's not what's going on, on the outside that's the problem. It's the things that nobody sees. And we think sometimes we can, we can, we can start to be fooling ourselves and think, well, because nobody sees it, it's not that big of a deal because nobody sees it. It's, it's not affecting my witness because nobody sees it. It's not, I'm, not, I'm not a stumbling block to anybody because nobody knows. But if we don't deal with what's going on, if we don't deal with what's eating us away on the inside, at some point, it will cause. At some point, it will cause the stumble. At some point, it will break. At some point, you'll go through something so Paul says, I, I, I commend myself in purity. Paul is saying, purity, being free from sin, being clean, that's a priority in my life. And I feel like as, as the church and across the board, Christianity, not, not, not our church, I'm talking about the church in this, in this nation, there, there needs to be a higher priority again on being clean, clean, pure of heart. I want to be a Christian who gets along. We, we, we're almost... We're almost we gotta hurry and get done with this. I wanna be a Christian who gets along. Paul says, I commend myself in understanding, in patience, and in kindness. I'll just say this, life is too short to stay in conflict. Life is too short to stay in conflict. And I can be certain, certain, certain that in a crowd like this tonight or anybody watching uh, this online or on a screen somewhere, I can be certain that there is at least one or two or five or 10 or 20 who are right now in conflict with, uh, conflict with somebody. Right now, somebody's uh, in a, in a in, the, in a little war, or some little beef going on or some unforgiveness going on and life is too short for that. And so God kind of stops you in the moment. God kind of arrests you in the moment and says, deal with it. Do whatever you need to do to be at peace with everybody. Humble yourself and be at peace because life is too short to stay in conflict with anybody. And that's what Paul's saying there. I want to be a person of understanding. I want to be a person, a person of patience. I want to be a person of kindness. You have a choice how to deal with people when your expectations aren't met. And it'll happen, right? People won't meet your expectations. And you have an option. You can handle that one of two ways. You can either assume the worst about them or you can uh, choose to believe the best. You can believe the best and go, well, they, they probably didn't realize what they said. They probably didn't mean what they said. It probably came out wrong. Maybe, maybe there was some, you can believe the best or you can assume the worst and be like, well, that's just how they feel. That's, I see how they are. They've always been that way. No, I'll be a person of understanding, patience, and kindness. I want to be a Christian who is spiritual. In verse 6, he says, in the Holy Spirit, in, I commend myself in the Holy Spirit and in sincere love. Um, I'll, I'll comment on, on, this, on these couple of words that Paul uses that he says commends himself in the Holy Spirit and in sincere love. I'll comment with this. I saw a social media post the other day, somebody that I'm, I'm, I'm fairly well acquainted with, and they put a post and they were talking about something. Doesn't really matter, but they were talking about something. And then in the, in the comment, as they were describing what it was that they were talking about, they're encouraging people to experience this. They said, but this is not, they said, this is not for the over-spiritual. <laughs> 
So what they're saying is not for the over spirit, like not for people who, who are too spiritual. And I, I guess be honest, when I read that, I started thinking of what that looks like. What's it look like to be too spiritual? What's it look like to be over spiritual? I'm like, I, I'm not sure you can put a negative spin on that. Uh, it's like saying, oh, they're too healthy. They're just too healthy. Oh, he, he's too strong. That, that's just too strong. He's too right. I mean, he's right. That's just, that's too, he's too right. He's too correct. Like, what's, what, how, are you, how, are you, how are you over spiritual? Now, there are people who get proud of their spirituality and they're too prideful, they're too carnal, but that's not being over spiritual. You know what? You can't be over spiritual. You can't be too sensitive to the Holy Spirit. You can't be too in step with the Spirit because when you are in step with the Spirit, remember the fruit of the Spirit is gonna come out of your life and that's never gonna go wrong. When you're like Jesus, remember you're gonna grow in wisdom. You're gonna grow in stature. There's gonna be balanced growth in your life when you're like Jesus. You're gonna grow in favor with God and in favor with man when you're like Jesus. So there is no, there is no hyper-spiritual, too spiritual, over-spiritual. That's a false concept. You you know what? You need to try to be as spiritual as you can be because it's going to make you more and more effective in every area of your life. Amen. Give God praise. Let's do that. Let's be spiritual. Oh, let's be spiritual. We ain't going to be proud about it, but we will be spiritual. And, uh, and then uh, he goes on to say, we commend ourselves with truthful speech. Simply a Christian who's honest. Honest. Honesty. That's the kind of Christian, again, because if, if I'm a Christian who's not honest, I can easily be a stumbling block. If I'm a Christian who lies to my boss about why I'm not at work all the time, I'm a stumbling block because he's like, well, he, she's a Christian. Look, she doesn't, she doesn't tell me the truth half the time. I can be a stumbling block, but if I'm honest and if I'm truthful, if my yes is yes, as Matthew 5, 37, let your yes be yes. The, the ninth commandment, don't bear false witness. Don't, don't tell half-truths. No, let, let's be honest, because it'll help us to be an example to a world that needs an example. And then finally would be this. I want to be a Christian at war. I want to be a Christian at war, because the, the final, as Paul talks about, we commend ourselves, he says, and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and the left. In the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and the left. I haven't gotten in very many fights in my life. But uh, the last fight I got in, uh, like real physical altercation, was last Thursday. Just kidding, it wasn't. All right, <laughs> this is scary. Uh, no, it's when I was in fifth grade, I got in a fight. And uh, what happened is I was on the playground and these, it was the crowd and there was this kid that all had gathered and I walked up on the scene and there was a little, little friend of mine in fifth grade that was being bullied by a big kid in fifth grade. The big kid in fifth grade, his name was Charles. He was probably working on his fourth time through fifth grade, if you know what I'm talking about, like one, one of those kind. And he's bullying this little guy and I come up on the scene and I come up behind him and boom, I bust a full Nelson on him. Any wrestling fans remember a full Nelson? I come up behind him like this, I get him and I'm like, leave him alone. And then as I'm sitting there holding him, I realized that my, my entrance, I snuck on all stealth and I got up behind him. I had a great entrance, but I realized I have no exit plan on this. Like, I don't know, I don't know where I go from here because once I let go, Charles is gonna quit picking on him and start beating me up. So I'm holding him. I'm like, okay, you're gonna leave me alone? He's like, yeah, and I let him go. And to my shock, Charles turns around, looks a little bit afraid of me and walks away. And I'm like, that's right, better go. 
and it was awesome. For like two days, I was the tough guy in elementary school. Like I would walk through and look at people, what are you looking at? Nothing. Oh, that's, that's right, that's right. Go in the bath, I walk in the bathroom, get out. And they'd run out, that's right. It was so awesome for like two days until Charles came to me, like two days later, comes to me at, 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 at the school. He says, hey, I told my dad what you did. I'm like, yeah. He's like, so he said uh, that we need to fight. And I was like, oh man. He's like, I'm busy. I've <laughs> got a lot of things going on. So we set up the fight, the time, and it was after school, in between our houses. We lived on the same street, in between our houses. And we go and we fight. And so we're there fighting, and I think neither one of us really wanted to hurt the other, but we just, his dad made it, like said we should, so we were out there fighting. We get about, I don't know, we get into this fight for a few minutes, and at some point in the middle of it, I'm kind of looking at him like, is this good, or we have to keep going? Like, I'm, I'm fine if you're fine. Like, why are we even, you know, it was just like this, this thing of like, why are we really doing this? And I realized something that day. I realized that the reason why I'm fighting really changes the motivation of my willingness to fight. Because when I came up on the scene and there was a, a, a guy that was being picked on, there was a guy that needed help, I mean, it was like the Spirit of the Lord came on me. I was in there, just, I got this, you know, and I, I just, I, I knew why I was there. But now I'm over here in this fight, I don't even know why I'm doing this. So it really took away my desire to fight. Maybe some of us have lost our reason why we're fighting this spiritual war. Maybe some of us don't realize the influence we have. Maybe some of us don't realize the people that are watching us. Can I tell you this? They are watching you. There are people in your life that you are influential and they're watching you. There are people in your family. There are people that you work with and they're watching you and they're watching you and they're watching you. And the more, spirit, the more of a Christian that you can be, uh, the more example that you can set, the greater chance that they're going to come to Christ. you got to remember why you're fighting because it'll make you want to fight when you realize the why. But if you forget the why, you'll just kind of give up and be like, well, I can, I can act this way this week. I'm going through a rough time, so I can just act like, I'll just talk like this. I'll just act like this. I'll just tell this little white lie. We just start to, because we forget what we're fighting for. Remember, this world needs examples. Amen.